This video is brought to you by Blessed Be God Boutique, maker of Catholic fashionable apparel, handmade accessories, and more. Francis the Great and Merciful is getting ready to embark on his apology tour of Canada, where he'll apologize for the church doing things that the church didn't actually do, things that the government in that country actually did more than a century ago but things that the government of that country used the media to blame the church for. Those things have long since been debunked, but Francis never misses an opportunity to debase the church, either in the eyes of the most fervent believers in the Catholic faith or in the eyes of the most ardent secular allies of his. But that's not stopping him from going on his apology tour and performing what is called a smudge Eucharist, which will blend pre-Christian local practices into the Eucharistic offering, which sounds suspiciously Pacamama-esque to me, but it's all part of the plan. Francis hates everything preconciliar, and that hate of the preconciliar means that he has no love for our coherent vision of the Catholic faith. This view reduces Catholicism to a brand to be exploited for purposes other than the salvation of souls. This kind of thinking is really nothing new in the church. It goes back as far as the implementation of Vatican II, at least, if not to the actions of the Pariti at the council and before. If you don't know who they were, the Pariti were experts who the bishops used to help them direct the council and are the ones third most responsible for the Vatican turning out the way that it did for Vatican II and the end result, with the second most responsible being the bishops who actually did the work at the council and implemented it afterwards. And the person most responsible was, of course, the Pope at the time, Paul VI, who is, of course, where the buck stops with all things everywhere. That's how things happened there. Benedict XVI, early in his reign, warned us about the kind of thinking the Bergolians are engaged in now. Their attitudes towards the grand history of the church and their attempt to erase the Catholic faith and replace it with a cheap knockoff is nothing new. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski posted a bit of an excerpt from an address by Benedict XVI given early in his papacy in 2005. Dr. Kwasniewski posted this on Facebook and in an article on New Liturgical Movement. And it really does show us the thinking the Bergolians are engaged in now. Their attitude towards the grand history of the church and their attempt to erase the Catholic faith and replace it with a cheap knockoff is, well, it's really nothing new. According to Dr. Kwasniewski, in 2005, Benedict warned us of this attitude, quoting Dr. Kwasniewski. According to the Pope, Francis, the Roman rite has no objective meaning other than what he himself declares to be the Roman rite. Because, quote-unquote, the council has radically changed ecclesiology, and the liturgy must give expression to theology, the inversion of the lex orandi lex credendi axiom. Therefore, only the liturgy after the council can be the church's lawful liturgy. Since this liturgy calls for the variation and welcomes extensive enculturation, it has no inherent formal unity. Its unity consists in being not something definite or something preconciliar, to, of course, go together in this way of thinking. But rather than being indefinite and anti-preconciliar, th thence arises the necessity to tolerate at best or eliminate at worst any remnant of preconciliar practice, even the most accidental, and even that which is technically still allowed, just as one can find some text in the council that do not reflect the spirit of the council and must therefore be sidelined or overcome by development. End quote. Dr. Kwasniewski sort of took a lot of that from 
Benedict XVI's December 22nd, 2005 address, and he's not wrong. The problem here is that Francis Cardinal Roach and the rest of them are, what they're doing is a reminder that they believe that the council gave us a radically new religion. And the thing about it is this, given that how the implementation of the council documents went by, was done by the same men who passed them at the council, Bergolians might actually be right. They're right, at least in practice. Whether a new secular religion was the intent of the modernists at the council is something good people can debate endlessly. As evidence of this, let's check in with a Jesuit priest we haven't checked in with in a few months, Father Jim McDermott. And I'm going to go out of my way not to call him Pastor Jim like I usually do. I call the Jesuit priests who are the worst of the modernists, quote unquote, pastor, because they are Protestants who decided to not formally leave the Catholic Church. But they chose instead to try to Protestantize the Catholic Church, as you can see by their actions. And Father Jim here is a prime example of this. Here's what I mean. From America Magazine, headline, I'm a Catholic priest, but please don't call me Father. This was published by America Magazine about a week ago. Father Jim doesn't like that he is called Father and has always been uncomfortable when people do so. Even better, he tried to make himself comfortable by telling himself that people call him Father the same way we call teachers in college professor or doctor, and that it's just a job title, which it isn't. We call priests father because they are spiritual fathers, like how St. Paul referred to himself as such in the Bible, how St. Paul called Abraham, Father Abraham. This goes beyond a job title for the priest. But let's see what Father Jim has to say. Quote, it's true I've taken vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience, and I've done some interesting and hopefully meaningful things in my life. But I'm also a guy who spends way too much time thinking about Star Wars, Jeff Goldblum, and the future of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Come to me, my X-Men. And while I take being a priest seriously, I've also lost jobs, screwed up friendships, and recently received my PhD in nursing a grudge. I'm a 52-year-old Scotch-Irish Virgo. It comes with the territory. Catholic priests citing horoscopes and astrology. Okay, then. I'd like to think I'm worth having a conversation with. But your confidence, your faith, take your time. My dislike of the title isn't coming from any lack of self-esteem either. Did I mention I am a Jesuit? Oh, you made that pretty clear, Father. I think not calling me Father is in your best interest. Before I get ordained, I worked as a teacher at Red Cloud Indian School on the Pine Ridge Red Indian Reservation. The people were fantastic and respectful, but few of them rushed to put me to put too much faith in a new Jesuit coming to work there. They'd all had too much past experience of the dumb things we say and do, and I did. Instead, I had to earn their respect. And it was hard. It forced me to confront my own blind spots and failings. But that made me a better teacher, and eventually, I hope, a better person. We're raised to think that priests are worthy of the utmost regard. But in fact, people in the church today have just as many reasons to be cautious and skeptical of clergy as my students did of me. The church's history of Ted McCarrick problems and the resulting covers, clerical expressions of privilege and stories of clerics putting ideology or political agendas ahead of pastoral care, all have undermined the legitimacy of our role as leaders, end quote. He then encourages his readers to hesitate to call him, and by extension, other priests, father. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm not, I'm now going to imagine a parishioner of a generic Novus Ordo parish trying to call their parish priest Mr. or worse by his first name, because they read what Father Jim had to say here. But it's all part of that mindset of hating the conciliar that still remains in the church that Benedict XVI warned us about in his 2005 address. Disregard the fact that Father Jim did a magnificent job of discrediting himself 
by admitting that he spends far too much time focusing on silly material concerns like Star Wars, not to mention the things he's written about in the past, which are concerning. We're all guilty of things like this ourselves, and while the priest should smell like the sheep, that doesn't mean they should go rolling around in the dung of the world with us to the point that they're comfortable admitting it in public. The attitude by Father Jim is the relatively harmless version of this attitude we've come to know so well. It does manifest itself quite frequently in more harmful versions of this, though, such as this one from Italian news site Mesa and Latino. Headline, the abuse of power by the Bishop of Le Mans, France. The obligation of concelebration for traditional priests. Hashtag traditionus custodis. Canon law protects any priest from having the duty imposed upon them to consult, concelebrate the mass. It protects their freedom of conscience for a variety of reasons. But we're beginning to see traditional priests lose this protection in the name of unity. They've lost their canonical legal rights, their civil rights in the church, for the crime of being traditionalists. This is done at the hands of the Bergolians. From the article, Quote, in the midst of a jumble of provisions that not only prohibit all sacraments besides the Eucharist, i.e. baptism, marriage, anointment of the sick, but also blessing according to the traditional form, the announcement refuses to confirm according to the usus antiquor, and clarifications such as the prohibit prohibition of celebrating a second mass on the same day in ancient rites on the pretext that there is not a sufficient reason. Monsignor Lasseau puts pen to paper a provision that neither Pope Francis's Rome nor his French brothers most hostile to the traditional liturgy had dared to formalize juridically. The obligation of concelebration for traditional priests, especially for the Chrism Mass, end quote. The point here is that they are trying to get traditional priests to say the new Mass. It's very strange how driven they are to get them to say just one traditional Mass. Their goal is to force them to say the new Mass essentially, to do it by force. This was tried with Archbishop Lefebvre back in the 1970s, and he refused to comply. They still try this tactic almost 50 years later, and for what reason? Unity. Unity through force. Unity by dictatorial decree. Remember, these are the same men who closed our parishes in 2020 and denied us all the sacraments, in a clear kneeling of the church to the values of the world. The fact is this. They have little to no love for the Catholic faith. There are things that keep them in the structures of the church, perhaps for branding reasons or for the opportunities given them by the structures of the institutional church. Likely, some of it is fed by some sentimental attachment to Catholic things. They've certainly told themselves that they have the faith, but their actions do speak otherwise. The Jesuit priest I mentioned here has written many articles for America undermining the faith. Francis has done a bang-up job of engaging in demolition work against the faith, and especially in his efforts to divide the faithful in the name of unity, both through his attacks on the liturgy, but also in his attempt to eliminate good priests who dare to speak out. Conformity is required, hence the rumored closure of the traditional mass in Chicago that are supposed to be forthcoming. What is this unity they're calling for? It's unity for their new, tired vision of the Catholic identity, one that drives people away from the faith into Eastern Orthodoxy or Protestantism, and instead of attempting to write the course, they seek to punish those who have the faith for the great crime of having and wanting to defend the faith. I'll close with this thought from Archbishop Vigano, who wrote a public letter to the Nigerian priest who was canceled by Francis for publicly speaking the truth about the errors of this pontificate. His story rocked the Catholic world, at least briefly, and Vigano took the time to write him an encouraging letter, which is linked in today's show notes at returntotradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. Just look for the post with the title of this episode, and you'll find it linked there. But Vigano, in his usual way, 
gives us all some instructions here through his words of encouragement to the priest. Quote, Rejoice then, dear and reverend father, because of the enemies of God did not find in you any reason to persecute you. It would mean that you are not bearing witness to your faithfulness to the Lord. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before you. See John chapter 15, verse 18. Incarnate wisdom has said it. The present trials are thus a cause for spiritual consolation, an occasion of sanctification, and an opportunity for the edification of the simple. The Lord will repay, repay you 100 times over for what you are enduring. End quote. In our time with our masses being taken from us, with the highest officials in the church labeling us rigid restorationists, with their persecution of the truth, remember, this is the highest earthly honor we can receive, for it means that we speak the truth. They don't try to address the errors made by the modernists in the church, especially the most chilling errors, like the evil deeds of Ted McCarrick, for the simple fact that what it is they are doing is waging war on the faith. They don't care about the rest of it. That's why in this time of crisis, Francis is focusing on smashing the traditional faith instead of addressing the flood of people leaving the church or the lies being perpetrated against the faith by the secular world in America and Canada. So I'm curious, are you looking forward to Francis's tour of Canada where he'll besmirch the church further and engage in Pacamama-like practices with the locals in the name of kneeling to the values and narratives of the world? What about Father Jim? who hates being called father, so I'm going to do it, while still being an ordained Catholic priest. What should become of him? Let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't, it really does help. Thanks to the patrons of this channel for helping keep us going these days. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.